Hey everyone. How many times have your friends recommended a vitamin or a treatment or some natural health awesomeness that changed their life? Probably a lot. Blue Hive Health was designed to take that friendship to the next level. On this podcast, Giovanna and Stephanie will spend time debunking myths and introducing you to the latest in health and wellness treatments, all to support you and your family. Welcome to the Blue Hive Healthcast. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Hive Healthcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Giovanna, and I am here today with Peter Russell. He is the author of Letting Go of Nothing and From Science to God, and he is here to talk to us about letting go. So I want to ask you listeners, how many of you have ever had a persistent thought, emotion, or stressor that you just cannot seem to let go of? Maybe it's a mindset that's plaguing you or a memory or even just something somebody did at the grocery store last week. I know I definitely can grab a thought and with like a dog with a bone, I can just really chew on it. And it's sometimes really difficult to let go of stubborn, difficult emotions. And today we are going to talk about how easy and effortless it can be to practice letting go. And not only how easy it could be, but how beneficial it is to your health and your relationships and your life in general. There's this common misperception that if you practice letting go, that that means you need to be passive in your life. And we're here to break that myth today as well. So we really hope that you enjoy this show. Peter is a wealth of knowledge. He um, has earned degrees in theoretical physics and psychology and computer science at the University of Cambridge in England, um, where he studied for a time with Stephen Hawking, of all people, guys. He is a wealth of knowledge, and we're really excited to have him on the show today. We really hope you go out and grab his new book, um, which the title, again, very exciting, Letting Go of Nothing, Relax Your Mind and Discover the Wonder of Your True Nature. I don't know about you, but that sounds really, really great to me. We're excited again to have him here and let's dive into the show and hear what he has to say. Hello, Peter. Welcome to the Blue Hive HealthCast. I'm excited to have you on the show. It's lovely to be with you. Looking forward to this. I'm very much looking forward to it because as I mentioned to you briefly uh, before we hit record, um, a lot of our uh, clientele and our listeners, um, and I include myself in this, are very like type A, you know, ambitious personalities. Um, We definitely know how to grip and hold on to ideas and stress and all kinds of things. So when I, uh, you know, when I saw your book and I saw the topic, I was like, okay, we have to, we have to talk about this because it seems so simple letting go, but it, it is, it it can be difficult uh, in a concept. So I would love if you could share with us a little bit of your journey of how this came to be something that, you know, you breathe and and live and and now teach yes it goes back to i mean many years ago when i first started meditation practicing meditation which which my first practice was transcendental meditation and i realized then that 
letting go, letting the mind relax was a really important part of meditation. And normally we, we try to meditate, we concentrate, we focus the mind, and then find we're not getting anywhere. And what I realized was letting the mind relax and letting go of the thoughts was a real key element in the meditation. And then over the years, as I've sort of explored other aspects of meditation and other ways of letting go, I've just really come to see the importance of letting go. So it's been a theme that I sort of explored, been exploring all my life. And it's I'm still exploring. I mean, I'm still discovering new things about letting go that ways to really help it happen. Um, I think we can't do letting go. We have to sort of allow it to happen. That's the sort of main thesis in the book. So that's how I came to be here at this stage. It's just a, an ongoing exploration for me. I find that so fascinating too. Like I started off with transcendental meditation and um, that was one of the only forms of meditation that I could do because there was something to focus on, right? There was a mantra that you could repeat and focus and then, you know, use to kind of redirect you. And I'm definitely one of those people that, you know, if I get a thought going, I have to really be conscious and like, just <laughs> grab it. <laughs> Otherwise it's like a runaway train and I'm ruminating yeah. and, and I wonder too, if you can describe a little bit about letting go, because I think there's a misconception, especially in this day and age where activism is very high and, um, you know, people want to uh, take action and they want, you know, their voice heard that sometimes they can confuse the act of letting go with being passive or just allowing things to happen. And I wonder if you can speak to that a little bit. Yes, yes, this is really important. Um, first of all, to say, you know, we don't have to let go of everything. You know, there's things, some things it's really important to hold on to, certain, you know, beliefs, whatever it is, um, things we think are important. It's very, I mean, holding on can be good in those situations. But there's many times when we actually need to let go that it can help us when we're holding on to, you know, some emotion or something like that. It actually makes us feel more tense and it gets in our way and can lead us to, you know, do things which may not, in hindsight, be the best things. So part of the value of letting go is that we can begin to relax. That's the main thing that happens when you begin to let go is there's a relaxation. And I always feel that the more relaxed we are in the moment the better we're able to come out into activity and do what needs to be done. So if we're you know, an activist in some way, yes, we have a passion for what it is we need to change, but if we can also you know, let go of the emotional aspect of it and you know, come back to ourselves to, to a quieter state, I think we can be more creative, we can act with greater wisdom, and I think with greater effectiveness. So it's having a balance in life. It's like, yes, there's times when we need to be out there, but there's also times when we need to come back to ourselves. I love that. So refreshing because it doesn't, you know, do a spiritual bypass on life. It says that, you know, they're they're letting go is just as important as being active. And I love that you framed it that way because I do believe that. I do believe that if you're in your survival you know, angry brain all the time that you can't come up with creative solutions. You can't see the world uh, in creative, abundant ways. You sort of get right. stuck. So I love that your perspective on that is is to keep it in balance and and have a little bit of both. Yes, um, yeah. 
And you talk about your true self and your true nature. And I, I, I do hear this term bounced around a lot. And I think it's for some people that aren't necessarily avid meditators or into the spiritual community, it might confuse them. And what is that? Well, when you talk about your true nature, what is that to you? Right. I mean, in a fairly light way, I mean, I know some, you know, spiritual traditions have this, all this sort of philosophy and things around what is your true nature. For me, I also call it natural mind as well. And it's like, it's how we are when we're not worried, concerned, busy planning, reminiscing, whatever it is, when all that becomes quiet, then what we notice is we notice we're at peace. And I feel our true nature is actually one of contentment. That's our true true nature. That's the way the mind should be, is contented. But what happens is there's so many sources of discontent in the world, which, you know, and it's times it's appropriate to be discontented. If we're, you know, we go out and it's cold and rainy, we feel discontent, and that's the motivation to come back and maybe we put on warmer clothes or just decide to warm up, and we feel content again. So the natural motivation is to come back to contentment. But what happens is that in our minds, we create a lot of fantasies, discontent about things, or even you know, remembering things that happened that we're not, you know, we don't feel so good about, we can be discontent about the past, we can be discontent about what might happen in the future. And so we're creating discontent unnecessarily. And that doesn't give us the opportunity to just come back to this natural state of contentment. So all the time, we're busy worrying, whatever it is, planning, or even getting excited about things, we're taking ourselves in the opposite direction. And so, letting go we're letting go of our attachment to how things should be we get attached to i need this to be content i need that to be content and when we let go of some of those attachments we actually fall back into this natural state of contentment i call it contentment i sometimes just call it okayness it's like i feel okay when the world is okay i feel okay it's a very natural correlate but we you know, we, we take ourselves away from it the whole time and then start looking for it out there, not realizing we can actually be content without having to go and find all these things we think are going to make us content. That's the sort of paradox, I think, of life. Yeah, and that's, I love that because, uh, you know, it takes a bit of the, you know, spiritual kind of airy fairiness out of it. And it's like, well, your natural baseline of being is this contented, like you said, okayness. Yes. And whenever we're deviating from that, we're creating, I mean, all kinds of stress neurologically, physiologically. I mean, there's a whole cascade of things that happens. And it's just kind of returning back to this baseline. I think we've lost sight of that because, you know, for a lot of people, their baseline is this constant humming of stress or mm -hmm. like underlying anxiety um, that for many of us, I don't even think we realize that that's become our new baseline. Um, and just hearing you describe that, I just, I, I kind of took a deep breath. I was like, oh, that sounds so nice. <laughs> um, so, you know, how do we do this? I think about myself and I think about when there's a really strong, you know, negative emotion um, that it's sort of like a dog with a bone. It's like really, really hard to release that negative emotion. And, you know, of course, like I said, all the type A listeners are going, okay, Peter, give me the five-step plan. <laughs> Tell me what it is. You know, what right. do I do? But yes, how do we do this? <laughs> right. What we tend to do um, if we're feeling something, let's say we're feeling um, 
angry or resentful about someone you know it's disturbing us so we have a disturbing emotion and we don't like it it's not pleasant and so the sort of way we tend to go about it is, is i should push push it to the back of my mind i shall think about something else i'll you know distract myself whatever or you know just try to get rid of it so we try in one way or another to actually take our attention away from the distressful emotion whatever it is and that doesn't really work i mean it may work in the short term we think about something else but then then it comes up again and it's i think it was carl jung who said what you resist persists meaning what you don't let into your awareness it persists it stays there and it still controls us deep down so what i suggest with people is actually the first step is doing the opposite of trying to push it away is to actually let in the feelings that are there let in let in what's going on and maybe the first thing you, you need to let go of is actually the tension that's there we often find you know when we are holding on to something there's a tension and so noticing how that feels in the body i always come back to the body first because the body has so much information for us that we often ignore so noticing how it feels when i'm when i'm angry say first of all noticing how the tension that creates in me and just notice that and notice how the body is and as we notice the tension what can happen is just it begins to soften and begins to just relax a bit and you mentioned you, you took a deep breath a moment ago i just find when I do that, just taking a few deeper breaths, it's like, ah, the tension begins to relax. And we can feel that in our body, just it begins to relax. So a few breaths is really good. And then to actually look at look at the emotion itself. So if you're feeling angry, say, notice what's going on in the body. You know, there's going to be obvious things like, you know, you may feel your fists are clenched or your teeth are tight or your jaw is tight and other things. You may notice certain tight muscles. Open up and, and be curious. What else is there? And you'll probably notice, oh, there's a certain tightness here or there's a quivering here or whatever it is. You'll notice these other things that are going on in the body, which are very sort of in the background. But now you can begin to bring them up into the foreground and just notice them, not try to change them, just notice them. And that's the second part, just letting them be, not trying to change them, just let them be. And what usually happens is, it just begins to soften a little and it just begins to decrease a little. And so you're you're creating, if you like, the right mental condition in which the letting go can begin to happen. And then there's always another side to an emotion, which is the story we are telling ourselves. We're, we're telling ourselves about what the other person did wrong, how they should have behaved, how it interfered with what we wanted, whatever it is, et cetera, et cetera. There's always a story. And to do the same thing with the story, it's like, okay, what am I telling myself? What am I thinking about this other person? And just to allow, allow that in as well, allow the story in. And what you usually begin to see then, if you just look at it innocently, just allow the story to be there, is you'll notice, well, there's some truth to the story. That's, you know, something did happen. The person behaved in this way or said something, whatever it was. So there's a truth there, but also to see what you've added to it. Um, you know, we start then saying, well, this person is stupid or they're inconsiderate or whatever. We then add a judgment to the story that's there and begin to sort of put yourself in the other person's shoes and say, well, um, 
how might they have been feeling that day? What might they have been thinking about me? Or, you know, did they have a bad night's sleep? Or is this something coming up from some past thing for them that caused them to behave this way? And when we put ourselves in the other person's shoes and begin to sort of understand where they were coming from, that again, let, it lets the story soften. And as, as we do that, again, we again find the whole emotion just beginning to beginning to dissolve a bit, beginning to soften. It doesn't necessarily go away immediately, but as we do this, we find it gradually softens, and after a while, it's like it's no longer troubling us. And I think that that's where we want to get to, is that state where we're not wound up and tight about it, where it's no longer troubling us. So the basic, the basic five steps is two steps. <laughs> First of all, let in what's going on in your body and in your mind, let it in and let it be. And then just notice how that feels, any softening that, that's going on. So that, that's the basics of it. That's perfectly said. And I, I have to say just myself personally, um, bringing in more of like somatic kind of practices like that, where I feel the feelings in the body um, and, and even just getting that additional training to bring into my own coaching practice with my clients, I see a massive change when we just like allow it to be there, not yes. try and change it, feel it in the body, you know, breathe our way through it. And like you said, catch the story. And so for people listening um, that weren't taking notes there, <laughs> go back <laughs> and, and write those steps down because I mean, it, you know, my teacher, my spiritual teachers always say, you know, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Because you have to practice it. Because sometimes our default is really just to be into that, you know, taking offense and, uh, you know, getting all riled up about things. And that becomes mm -hmm. our, our default, whereas we can easily train the mind, I think, to not behave that way. Yes, yes. It's like any practice. The more you do it, the easier it gets. I mean, the first time you may be slightly surprised, oh, you, what's going on in the body? But with as you do it more, for me, it becomes almost a sort of a fascination. It's a, it's a, I have a curiosity. Okay, I'm feeling this about something or other. What's happening in my body? Let me go there. Let me let me feel it out. And, so, and the more you do it, the more familiar you become with just coming into the body and noticing what's going on, and the easier it becomes. But you know, I think you know, in our world we are so mental in a way, so in our heads, and it's you know it's a very logical, rational world. We we go to our heads first of all to try and solve things, and I think it's much better to come to the body first, and then begin to relax the tension that's there in the body. Absolutely. Yeah, we just sort of bypass that completely. Um, I'm curious, I mean, it almost, uh, you know, I can go there and it sounds obvious to me how this would be beneficial for relationships, you know, <laughs> not taking things personally and, and, you know, allowing yourself to be more embodied with your emotions. But how have you seen this benefit relationships? Um, in a, in a way, it's actually, I think, deeper than just, you know, trying to navigate our way through things, and is that it comes back to, you know, what I was calling natural mind or our true nature, a bit, which is basically being at ease, relaxed, content, at peace in ourselves, you know, might call it happiness, we get different words to it. That's what we all want. That's our fundamental motivation that we're all looking for. We look for it in lots of different ways in the world. We all appear very different in what we do, what we want, etc. But deep down, what we want is actually 
to feel okay. We don't want to be attacked. We don't want to be rejected. We want to be loved. And so recognizing that everybody is like this, we're all the same, and that anybody I'm interacting with in a conversation or any other way, anybody I'm interacting with wants the same as me deep down. And so the practice becomes one of having the intent in any communication, having the intent that the other person feels good upon receiving it. And that means sort of taking out attack thoughts. You know, it's so easy to get into, you know, you say something to me and I feel slightly peeved. You didn't mean to upset me at all. It was a perfectly innocent comment, but my, you know, past leads me to be slightly peeved about it. I then, you know, because I'm slightly peeved, I then, you know, come back to you. It may just be with a, huh or something or else, or, or even, you know, something much more overt, like you, whatever it is. And then you feel attacked. And then, you know, if, if you're not, you know, fully awake to what's going on, you start attacking me back. And it can be very subtle, but just like, what we have is two people, both seeking, you know, to be at ease, to be loved, actually digging the knife in a little deeper, just saying, I'm just going to twist this and cause you a little more upset. And then you will realize the error of your ways and treat me better. <laughs> and when two people do that, it just spirals, it just spirals out of control. So that's the first thing is, is to remove, watch for any attack thoughts that, that come up, or any sort of intention to make the other person feel unhappy in some way, have the intention that they should feel good upon hearing hearing it and you know there's times when you know what we have to say to someone is some form of critical feedback or correction or whatever it is or something you're not happy with about them but you know there's ways to facilitate that to make the other person feel loved in it I mean you could say something like you know I really appreciate our friendship our relationship and I want it to continue and grow deeper but there's something I need to talk about. And I'm feeling actually quite scared of talking to you about this because, you know, I don't want to upset you and I don't know how you'll feel. You know, just, just doing things like that puts the other person at ease immediately. And so you, you set a context and then you, can, then you can say, and so, you know, what it is, and then you say what it is. But that's much kinder way of doing it than simply blurting out, I think you need to blah, blah, blah. So it's... It's this, it's, I call it the principle of kindness, of, you know, being kind to each other. But it comes back to this thing of letting go of what we think is wrong with the other person, letting go of our judgments, and just seeing that deep down, they're actually wanting the same as us. And I find when two people in, in any relationship have that as their intention, that uh, they're doing this with each other, the other person feels loved and appreciated, a whole different form of caring love caring comes into the relationship we're beginning to care for another person's inner well-being i think we're quite good at caring for outer well-being you know if you're sick oh can i go and can i get you some food can i go you know do you need something this is the same thing on the inside it's caring for how another person feels inside and i think i think this is really important it's in a way the golden rule of all the great religions which is basically you know treat others as you would like to be treated yeah I love that and it's um I love that you pinpointed that it's emotional caregiving right because we often yes. don't think of that we we think of like you said you're sick let me make you some soup or you know can I help you take out the garbage but when you're when you have your mind to 
being an emotional caregiver as well, then you're mindful of how you speak. And it reminded me of a of a line in, in A Course in Miracles that, you know, it's something to the effect of like, you know, to assume your brother's innocence, right? And not to take on this air of attack, like you said. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious because it's funny, like we're talking about letting go and, you know, these, all these things that we need to let go of. And when I read the title of your book, it was funny because it says letting go of nothing. And I'm like, what do you mean nothing? I have so many things to let go of. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> so, right? I could have so, <laughs> called it letting go of everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would have been accurate for me, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. so what do you mean by that? Nothing. Right. No, yes. It's, it's deliberately provocative, obviously. Um, what we're letting go of are not things, you know, we're not actually letting go of um, physical things, if, if, if things are changing in the world, or if there's thoughts or emotions, in a, in a way, you could say a thought is a thing, it's something in the mind that we have, and we can identify, or an emotion is something, we're not really letting go of that. What we're letting go of is our attachment to it, our attachment to how yeah. things should be. <laughs> and our attachment is not a thing in itself. It's like the lens through which we see the world. I mean, what psychologists call a mindset. And so the, the attachment is what we need to let go of, but it's not actually a thing. It's just the way we are seeing things. So it's behind, behind our thoughts, behind our feelings, is a way in which we are seeing things, which leads us to become attached. And so what we're letting go of is not actually a thing. It's, it, you know, it's a no thing. So it's a play on words. What we're letting go of is not actually a thing. We're letting go of a no thing. So we're letting go of nothing. And it's interesting. Sometimes, you know, when we do let go of something, you know, someone asks, well, you know, how was that? It's like, oh, it was nothing. <laughs> we realize in hindsight, it, it was nothing. <laughs> it was, it was, we don't mean it was totally nothing but it was, it was nothing it's just a change of mind so letting go is essentially a change of mind it's not something it's, we don't change the world we're not even trying to change you know what's going on in our heads but we're changing our the way we see things we're changing our attitude so th that's why it's called letting go of nothing I love that explanation that's perfect is is that is what causes us pain in anything, in relationships, in work, in life, in uh, it's the attachment to that thing or wanting it to be different or, right. you know, somehow wanting it to be other than how it is. And of course, yeah. we said at the beginning of, of the interview, you could still be proactive and be an activist or be in the world or, or speak up for yourself. It's not to do, this isn't to do with passivity. But it's also having the the art of letting go once you've you've created the action and you've done what you had to do. If we're attached to the outcome too much, this is when we can cause ourselves, you know, yes, a lot of yeah, stress, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, and so it's letting go of how we are seeing things, basically. Change, yeah, allowing a change of mind to happen. So talk to us a little bit about meditation, because you said you started off with transcendental meditation and then you moved on to other you know, forms of meditation. And you, and you say that, you know, meditation should be effortless. And I know a lot of people would say it's effortful and <laughs> they don't meditate because they, they get frustrated that they can't, you know, somehow reach the state of nirvana immediately. Like, right. what's your approach on, on meditation? Right. Well, first of all, to say, you know, that there, there are many different types of meditation and some meditations, you know, do require concentration, their concentration practices, and they're training the mind for, in certain ways. So it's not to say 
any meditation technique should be effortless. But the sorts of meditation I'm interested in are meditations that allow the mind to settle down, to become quiet and, you know, that move towards an inner stillness. That's the sort of meditation I've always been interested in. How can I be, how can I allow the mind to quieten and be more at peace? And there, any effort is actually going to get in the way because as soon as you start trying something or focusing the attention, you're creating tension. And what we want is the opposite. We want the mind to relax. So effort gets in the way. But it's such a common theme. You know, everybody thinks, oh, I've, I've got to put effort. Meditation is hard. It needs effort. And it's almost like a sort of um, self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you try meditation, you try hard, and you don't get anywhere. And you know, your teacher says, oh, try harder. And so it goes on. And you say, oh, you know, I, I knew it was difficult, and I proved it was difficult. When you... When you begin to take out any effort, any trying, you're allowing the mind to begin to relax. I mean, the way I sometimes think of it, it's like if you've got a if you've got a fire, wooden fire, you keep putting logs on the fire, it's going to keep burning. But if you stop putting logs on the fire, the fire will begin to just slow down, burn less. And it's the same with the mind. If we you know, keep on following our thoughts like we do in daily life, one thought leads to another thought, which leads to another thought. And so we go on, you know, most of most of the time, then we're keeping the mind active. But, but what happens in meditation, the sort of meditation that I teach is when you notice you've got caught on some thought, just to make the choice not to follow that thought anymore for the moment. I mean, it'll come back maybe, but in the moment, just making that choice, I'm not going to follow that thought anymore. And then two things happen. One, that thought was probably creating some tension. And when you stop following the thought, you notice just a slight sense of, ah, okay, that's better. That's easier. I feel better for it. And what also happens is, you begin to notice the present moment. Our thoughts are taking us out of the present moment the whole time. Our thoughts are always about the past or the future. They're about the world out there in some way or just about ourselves, how we are. When you stop following the thought, it's like the present moment reveals itself again. You know, people talk about, oh, you have to try to be present. You don't have to try to be present. When you pause the thinking for a moment, you notice the present. It's there. It's like, oh, yes, there's the sound of the birds or the traffic or the air conditioning, whatever it is, you begin to notice things. So, oh, yes, and I'm, I, you know, I'm seeing this. I hadn't noticed that before, or I'm feeling this in my body. So the present reveals itself to you. And then we can just rest with that for, you know, while it's there. Um, another thought comes in, you know, just the same thing, choosing not to follow that thought, and the present is there. But then what I encourage people to do is to look for how that feels. It's so often in meditation, people can be, you know, so busy watching their breath, they don't notice how it actually feels to be doing this. You know, they don't notice the ease, the lightness of being, I sometimes call it, that comes with this. There's an enjoyment there, deeper down. And to, to notice that, to notice how it feels, whether it's just feeling relief, feeling at peace, enjoyment, whatever, and to include that in the present moment, because it is part of the present moment. But if we're 
you know, just noticing the present moment through what we see and hear in our body, we're missing this real gem, which is in a way the purpose of meditation. This real gem is how does it feel? So just include that in your experience of the present, like save, savoring how it feels. I sometimes use the analogy of, you know, getting into a warm bath. You get into a warm bath and you're there soaking and it's very nice and your mind is off, you know, lying there thinking about things in the warm bath, but just like noticing how lovely it feels as well to be in the warm bath. And it's the same with meditation, just noticing, ah, this does feel nicer. And that allows us to go deeper. It's like, it's just, we just sink deeper when we do that because we're tending to a deeper level in ourselves. And it becomes a motivation to continue meditation. It's like, oh yes, you know, I don't do meditation just as a relaxation, just as a training for the mind or whatever it is. I'm doing the meditation because I know I feel better for it. And that, you know, that again, that is what we all want. So you could say just by taking any effort out of meditation, we're just naturally allowing ourselves to sink back into our true nature, in, into this natural mind. That sounds wonderful. And I just think about, you know, all the people and I, you know, I've included myself in this in the past too, that it, you know, when I started off transcendental meditation, it was, I think, 20 minutes twice a day which seemed like bite-sized enough pieces for me to chew off, right? Because I was very intimidated by sitting, you know, cross-legged for an hour, which yeah. is what some people think. And I noticed that there were certain periods of my life where I was resistant to meditating. And I find that now even too with some of our clients and my own personal clients, there's almost a resistance to doing it. And I wonder because it has such, you just described it, it has such a beautiful outcome. It could be effortless. You know, you can just follow your breath and and not grip onto thoughts and and you feel so wonderful after it's i why do not more people do this like what do you think the resistance to doing it is about i think there's probably several things i mean the first thing is you know we think it takes effort but even when you've learned it doesn't take effort it can be oh i don't have the time um i've got to do this i'll, I'll skip it today because you know whatever it is so I think that's another thing is feeling we don't have the time to do it. Um, there's more important things to do. Um, so there's, in a way, there's a discipline that can be needs to be there, the discipline to actually remind yourself, yes, it's important to sit. Yeah, so, so, it's a new so habit, that, right? Yes, it's a, new, it's a new habit. But also, you know, you don't have to do 20 minutes. You know, if you've only got five minutes, five minutes. I know there's one teacher says... I think it's a very good recommendation. Just, you know, wherever you, if you have a chair you meditate on, you know, where you meditate, wherever you sit to meditate, sit there, even if it's only five seconds. If you're so busy, you've got to rush out the door and go somewhere, sit for five seconds. It's like, keep that routine there. And, you know, times when you've got, you know, you can sit for five minutes, better, great. Times when you can sit for 20 minutes, lovely but just keep up that habit of sitting don't feel it's got to be 20 minutes it can just sitting down just it's a way of just including that as a natural part of your life so and just yeah, doing it, just, better just, better done than perfect my teacher used to say <laughs> yes 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 so don't feel you know oh i haven't got time or i can't you know whatever just just sit for a short time and just you know notice the thoughts that are there just choosing not to follow them, 
allowing the present moment to reveal itself just for a short while is still very beneficial. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Peter, thank you so much for being here and for all of your knowledge and for writing this amazing book. If you can tell the audience where they can find the book and where they can find you, if they want to find out more information about you and your teachings. Right. Well, the book is, should be available in all bookstores now and all the normal online places, that your favourite online places where you go to buy books. But do support your local bookstore if you can. I always like to say that because, you know, they're finding it harder in these times. Yes. Yeah. So the book is the book has been published now for well, a couple of weeks, several weeks. So it should be available everywhere. Um, about me, the starting place is my website, which is peterrussell.com. Uh, go to peterrussell.com. And it's a, it's a website that's been up for a long time. I've got about 400 pages, a mixture of Articles I've written, um, meditations, um, videos, videos of video presentations. There's lots of different things there. Um, so that, that's the starting point. And then, you know, there's a place there you can contact me, obviously. And we even just go looking on YouTube. You'll find I've got a lot of videos up there, which you, you know, hopefully find interesting if you sort through them a bit. Yeah, yeah, but bas basic, basically the website, peterrussell.com, and most of the videos are on the website as well. Great. Well, we'll definitely put that link in our show notes for everyone that's listening. Um, please, you know, like Peter said, go out, support your local bookstore, go out and get this book. It's called Letting Go of Nothing, Relax Your Mind and Discover the Wonder of Your True Nature, which I absolutely love that title. Thank you, Peter, again for being here. It was great having you. Thank you. Love being with you. Thanks for listening to the Blue Hive HealthCast. Did you get an insight from this episode or learn something new? Consider sharing it with a friend. If you love the show, we'd appreciate it if you subscribed via iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and give us a rate and review. Visit us at bluehivehealth.com for more information on our programs and services. 